0: Tonight, we're going to talk about faith. And by the way, my name's Gail Wilson. Those of you who don't know me, um, I'm, I'm going to be preaching your first Wednesday service tonight. It's a privilege of mine to come in here and to preach the gospel to you. I love the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we just sang that song, I got me thinking there is none greater than him. Amen? There's none greater than him. For what, are, what other reason do we show up in here tonight than to worship our Savior, our King? And so tonight, if you would, turn to your Bibles in Hebrews chapter 11. Our scripture is going to be Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 10. The title of the message tonight is Abraham. We're going to look at Abraham, a hero of faith. And Abraham, uh, the title of the message is Abraham, a life and attitude of faith. A few uh, months ago, Josh Hayes preached on Abraham. I promised my sermon would be a little different than Josh's. But he preached on Abraham, and, and Josh told us that that Abraham's name got changed, which it did, from, from little daddy to big daddy. Well, tonight, when it comes to faith, Abraham's the mac daddy, all right? He's the mac daddy of all the heroes of faith. In fact, he is the first person in the Bible to be justified by his faith, and he was declared righteous for it. And so I'm going to start by asking you a question tonight. It's a simple question. Who or what is the object Of your faith. Who or what is the object of your faith? The reason I ask that is the power of our faith rests in the object of our faith. It does. You know, if if the object of our faith is on any person other than Jesus Christ or on any other thing, then we're destined for failure, church. And our church has been through a lot here lately. God's testing us. God's ordained these things and allowed these things to happen, and we don't know why, but God does. And tonight, I'm here to preach a message to you that you can trust this holy God, this great God, with your very life. You can trust Him. You can step out in faith tonight, trusting that He will take care of you, that He is better than anything, young people, than this world can I ever offer you? I promise you that. And so we're going to look at faith, those three areas of faith. Tonight we're going to look at, at Abraham's life, specifically the call uh, on his life in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 10. We're going to look at, we're going to pull out of there three characteristics of faith of Abraham's life. Number one, the, adi- the, the uh, life of our faith is obedience. Number two, the attitude of our faith is patience. And three, thirdly, the joy of our faith looks forward to Christ. And so, let's look at obedience. The obedience, the the life of our faith is obedience. But I want to tell you something. Before you can obey God, God's got to do a work in your heart. Let's look at uh, Hebrews eleven verses eight. I'm going to read it. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in a land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has its foundations whose designer and builder is God. The first thing we pull out of here, the first very first verse in verse eight, it says By faith, Abraham obeyed. You see, true faith always begins with an experience. If we go all the way back to Genesis 12, Abraham had an experience with God before he was able to obey. Let's think about that for a moment. Abraham was was living in in Ur, okay? He was living in his father's house, so he had a big inheritance coming to him. He had everything going for him in the world during that time. He had uh, prestige, he had all this stuff going for him. So let me ask you, why in the world would Abraham want to leave that when God called him out? To go to a land that he didn't even know. Never even heard of before. Why would he do that? Why would Abraham leave that? Abraham didn't know God at the time. Abraham was a pagan. He was was an idol worshiper. Worshiping a moon god. You know, there was nothing special about Abraham. But God called him. You know, and Stephen gives us some insight in that in Acts 7. Where Stephen tells us that that the glory of the Lord, the glory of God appeared to Abraham. You know, experience came before the obedience. Abraham was transformed by his experience with God before he was able to obey God's command. And once that happens, and that's the same with us, isn't it? We have that experience with Christ through the gospel, and it opens our hearts up. And then we're able to obey. Isn't that how it works? I mean, we don't obey to start with. How can you take something that is dead and make it alive? Abraham was dead. And God made him alive. God took what was ordinary and made it extraordinary. God can take what is dead and make it alive. God can do that, and God can do that for you tonight. God can take your broken heart and your broken life, and he can make it into something extraordinary for his glory. Do you believe that tonight? Do you believe that tonight? I mean really believe that. It's First Wednesday service. We can all pack in here, and, you know, it's communion and all that. I want this First Wednesday service to be a glory to God, to worship I want this whole message that we would fall down before a holy God and worship Him because He done something for us that we could not do for ourselves. God done something for Abraham that Abraham could not do for himself. He made Abraham alive and, made, and was able to give Abraham faith. For faith is a gift, Ephesians 2.8 said. We're saved by what, church? Grace through what? Faith. Through faith. It's God's gift to us. And if God has given you the gift of faith, and you're here tonight, hallelujah. That's how you should live your life every day. When something hits you in the mouth, hallelujah. God's given me faith to believe. I can't believe it, but he done it. He done something for me I couldn't do for myself. That's what faith is, faith in the gospel. The only way Abraham was, was, going to, was able to obey is because he believed God. He believed that God could fulfill and do the things that God said he could do. In Genesis 12, God Made some promises to Abraham. Maybe some of you know that. He, he said, I'm going to give you a seed, I'm going to give you land, and I'm going to make you a, a great blessing to all the nations. All right? But check this out Abraham desired the promiser more than he desired the promises. You know, true obedience is obeying God, listen, because we desire God, because it is our pleasure to obey. Many of you know what I do for a living. I'll give you a good illustration of this. You know, I'm a, I'm a, a rabbit sheriff full time. All right, a game warden. All right, that's what I do. I, I, I set out today. As a matter of fact, it was stocking day on Curtis Creek, Mill Creek and the Catawba Greenway. And so I spent all day as a deterrence. All right, you got to have somebody down there with a gun and a badge and a ticket book to keep people from, keep, from stealing the fish. All right, it's just, just, just how it is. All right? Maybe that might shock some of you tonight, but that's just the world we live in. All right? But listen, the reason I'm down there is to be a deterrence, to keep people from keep, keeping the fish. We have rules and regulations. All right? And, you know, I'm down there, and, and people will abide by the law when I'm down there. And some of them will, abide, most people will abide by the law because they fear what? The consequences. They fear that, hey, if I keep these fish or I use this bait I'm not supposed to use... It's going to cost me $215. All right? It's fear of the consequence. What a day it would be. And that's not everybody. There are a lot of folks that go down there and they abide by the rules because it's their joy to abide by the rules. It's their pleasure. But what a day will it be, church, that when, it, when we obey God's commands, not because we fear uh, the consequences. It's because it's our delight to obey his commands. It's our pleasure to obey his commands. It's not burdensome. It's our pleasure to do that. You know, and and true worship is obedience to God's word for no other reason than you delight in God. For no other reason than you delight in in God. Abraham delighted in God. That's why he was able to go by faith and go to some land he's never heard of before. There's no other reason he could have went other than God doing something in him he couldn't do for himself. And so he went to that land and he believed the promises That God would would, would fulfill those promises. Let me ask you something tonight. Do you believe God is going to fulfill the promises he's made to you? For some of you here tonight, you're hurting. I know that. You've come in here, you've had a hard week. Life is tough, no doubt. But do you really believe what what the Bible says? That God's going to fulfill all his promises to you? Do you really believe that? My prayer is that you believe that, but you do more than just believe that, desire Him, desire the promiser. You know how we can truly obey? It's by believing the gospel. Obedience comes from believing the gospel for us as believers. Abraham, was, he was declared righteous because he believed God. You and I are declared righteous because we believe Jesus Christ. We believe Jesus Christ came and lived the life that we were supposed to live and didn't. And died a death that we were condemned to die and did. And three days later rose from the dead. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? There's power in the gospel. There's so much power in the gospel that it's the the gospel that gives us the ability to walk out of here and to obey God's commands. It's the gospel, teenager, that gives us the ability to say no in the backseat of a car. It's the gospel that gives us the ability, married couples, when our marriage is on the rocks... To say, I'm not going to leave. I'm not going to walk out. It's the gospel that gives us the ability when trials and tribulations come in our life and we have the option to either grow better or grow bitter. We grow better because we grow towards God and we lean on God because at the end of the day, God's all we got. Amen? And that's all that matters in this life. And so our obedience is our worship. Our obedience cries out worship to God. It does. It cries out faith in the gospel. I want you to fall in love tonight with this God who would move heaven and earth for you. I want you to fall in love with this God who loves you so much that he would do something for you and me when all hope was gone. And so not only is... The, uh, the, uh, the life of our faith in obedience, the attitude of our faith is in patience. All for getting in line of patience. I mean, all for a little more patience, we'd all agree with that, right? A good definition of patience is when you have kids, you don't stomp a boot in the back of them, right? When they get on your nerves. I'm just saying, all right? Uh, you know, I, I may, I, I, Gary's my neighbor of Suttles. He, he heard me yelling at one of my kids the other day when she come home from... Us practicing, she got all her muddy feet all over the nice outdoor furniture, and it kind of got me a little hot under the gills, to say the least. So I kind of tested my patience. And kids do that, all right? They do that because we've done it too. And so, but patience is essentially a good definition, practical definition is waiting. You know, patience is waiting, waiting on God, knowing that God's going to do what He says He's going to do. Some of us are struggling right now with our patience we're struggling we see life and we see things going on and we're like why is this happening to me you know and and, and what we got to do is, is is we got to saturate our minds back into the gospel we got to hit the rewind button and go back to the truth the truth of the message and and, that, and that's just how it is God's going to come through on his promises. Patience is a fruit of the spirit that flows out of a life of obedience. When we're obeying God's word, and we're not talking about perfection here. Faith's not about perfection, by the way. It's about direction. God gives us direction through his words. We talked a little bit. I was in a Bible study last night with a group of guys, and and we kind of went over this. And and a good uh, description of this that that I heard a while back is, is God's rules and his commands are like railroad tracks. And we're like the train. And when we try to move ourselves along the tracks trying to keep the rules perfectly, what happens? We're going to derail, aren't we? But when we allow the gospel to give us the power to obey, we're able to move, aren't we? It's amazing how that works. It's kind of counterintuitive to everything you, know, you hear nowadays you know, out there in the world. But it's the gospel that saves us. It's the gospel that sanctifies us. And hallelujah, it's the gospel one day that will glorify us. Amen. And so the attitude of Abraham's faith was patience. Look in the text. It says that, uh, number one, he went out not knowing where he was going. But two, by faith he went to live in a land of promise as a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him in the same promise. If you know anything about Abraham, he went to live in this land, Canaan, and out of all the promises God promised, he physically received, how many do you think? One. He got to see Isaac, the seed. Abraham lived in a tent and moved around all around Canaan. But he was patient. He was waiting on God. Even when he was 100 years old, past childbearing age, what happened? He still waited on God. Now, I know we can go back in Genesis and we can look at Abraham's failures, but that's not the point tonight. All right? That's not the point. The point of the writer of Hebrews is to encourage a church who is struggling. The point of the message tonight is to encourage you and myself, preach to myself, we're all in the same boat together. We're all struggling in this life, but we're doing it together. And by faith, we're trusting in a holy God to see us through. Amen? We're trusting in him. And so, his patience, Abraham had patience with God, not because he was looking forward to the promises, no. He, he was looking forward to the promiser. Don't miss that. The promiser, God, was more important to Abraham than the promises. How in the world do you think he was able to, to go and, and offer Isaac up? Because he knew that God could bring him back from the dead. Do you believe that God can bring you back from the dead? Do you believe he can bring your loved ones? He'll bring us all back one day, won't he? Won't he? And so it's been said that the, the secret of, of Abraham's life, or the symbol, the symbol of Abraham's life, rather, was a tent. But the secret of his life was an altar. Abraham pitched tents. That was his never had a permanent dwelling. It was a temporary structure. He pitched a tent, lived there. But he always built altars. I'm with track with me now. He built a permanent structure for his worship of God. Nowhere in Canaan did Abraham ever leave behind any sign of his wealth or prestige. He just left altars. Can that be said of us tonight that if when God calls us home? The only evidence that we were ever truly here is our worship. So just as the attitude of faith is in patience, so is the joy of our faith in Jesus Christ. If you look in the text, it says that Abraham was looking forward to the city that has its foundations, whose designer and builder is God. You know, the joy of our faith, the joy is, is a supernatural delight in God. It flows out of faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It flows out and we look forward to God. I got to, uh, I wasn't here Sunday, I was, got to spend some time uh, back home where I'm from. I got a grandmother who's, who's dying. You know, hospice has been called in and, and, and she's not doing too well. Her heart's failing and she's 86 and uh, a lot's going on there. But I got the opportunity to go back home. And to spend some time there. And I watched her. And I got to worship with her. And I got to do a devotion with her. You know what I saw? You know, we got Sunday morning. You know, we weren't in a church. But we were watching Charles Stanley. You know. Love Charles Stanley. And, and we got to worship that morning. And I got to see that woman. I got to see her joy in Jesus Christ. Charles Stanley sung a song. He started to sing. Charles Stanley sang, by the way. He started to sing, Fly Away. And she raised her hands up, and she was worshiping. My wife started crying. I mean, it was amazing to see that the joy of her faith, even though no, that she knows that it's maybe the last breath she takes, is in Jesus Christ. Is Jesus the joy of your faith tonight? Is He? Well, we got to get that straight before we walk out of this building tonight. we got to get that straight before we take the Lord's table here in a moment. Is Jesus the joy of our life? Because if He is and He should be, then the joy of our faith looks forward to being with Him. He is more important than anything this world can offer you. And I promise you, I have lived all around in this world and for the world and done things I know I shouldn't have done. But Jesus had come and came into my life and changed me. And all of us can say that we're not who we should be. We're not who we could be. But one thing's for certain. We aren't who we were. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that, isn't that, isn't that assurance? Because the definition of faith. The definition of faith is a practical definition in, in verse 1 of chapter, of chapter 11. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Are we hoping in Jesus Christ? It's the assurance of things hoped for. I have assurance that Jesus Christ has done for me what I couldn't do for myself. I have assurance in Christ that He lived the life perfectly. He upheld the law. He obeyed it perfectly. And I'm free to obey. You think about that for a moment. And I heard this said before, and I know I'm ranting a little bit, but I, I feel like I got to say this to you. You know, a lot of us try our best in life, to, to keep the rules, to do this, to do that. And I heard a, a, a good story about just going to class. And, and most of you kids and most of us who've been to school, what's the, what's the biggest pressure in school and in class? It's getting the grade, right? It's making an A, right? It's making an A. What if I told you that in the classroom of life, Jesus Christ came and went to class for you, and you got an A+. plus. So you and I are now free to just live. Because Jesus got the A+, you and I are free to live our lives for Him. It's crazy, isn't it, that He would do that for us. And so naturally, the joy that flows out of that should flow towards Jesus Christ as we look forward to the day that we will see Him face to face. We look forward to the day when He calls us home. We don't fear. We don't shrink back. Because one day we'll all get to see him and spend eternity with him. Because he is more important than anything in this world. Let me ask you this. If you got all the promises and you got to go to heaven and you knew Jesus wasn't going to be there, would you still want to go? Would you? I mean, most of us, all of us in here deep down know the answer to that. Listen, as I close tonight, Jesus is the treasure you and I could not afford. But He traded heaven for a wooden cross for you and I. Our communion tonight, taking the Lord's table, should take on a whole new meaning as we remember the the body that was broken for us and the blood that was spilled out that covers you and I. That when God looks at us, He looks at Jesus Christ's righteousness. That he became sin who knew no sin so that you and I get credited that righteousness of Jesus Christ. When God looks at you, he sees the feeding of the 5,000. He sees the healing of the leper. He sees all this because he doesn't see you and your sin. He sees Christ if you're in Christ Jesus tonight. But if you are not in Christ Jesus tonight, then you are lost. And the only way that you can be found is to, by faith, trust in this God who would move heaven and earth for you. Jesus Christ who came to live and die for you. Trust in Him that salvation is in no other than Him. And if you make that decision tonight, I promise you, it is the best decision that you'll ever make in life, and you'll walk out of here with true life. And you can live the rest of your days for Him. Are we willing to do that tonight, church, those of us who are in Christ, to leverage our lives for the kingdom of God?